We can't be in the business of forming disciples if we're not in business. And this is our time as Catholic education to disrupt education. This is OSV Talks, a show where we explore topics from prominent Catholic leaders to spark discussion, explore new or re-explore old approaches, and inspire creative thinking, all from the heart of the church. My name is Doug Tuk, and I will be your host. Hi, welcome. I'm here with Andrea Chavez Cop, the Chief Learning Officer of the Presidio Project. Andrea, thanks for coming. This thanks is great. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a treat. You and I, so I had an embarrassing moment with you, which was hysterical. <laughs> you and I had met at the, uh, the National, National Dialogue. Dialogue. You see, you forgot again. I know, because it, it was a memorable experience <laughs> for me. Now I'm going to get in trouble. And I was like introducing myself and you're like, yeah, yeah, we've met. Yeah. It was not that long ago, actually. <laughs> It seems a long time ago. I know. Though. I mean, that seems like a hundred years ago. I felt now. like a jerk. I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize. Andrea, your life's work, it seems, has mm-hmm. been in Catholic schools. Yes. And um, I think it's okay to say that Catholic schools are challenged right now in the modern era. I just don't yep. think it's fair to say it's just business as usual. We'll figure it all out. That doesn't feel like that's real. Yeah. Well, business as usual is the challenge. Say something about that. Say more to that. Because I think that's right. But now I want to open that can of worms. So we're just going to rip it open and we're going to set it on the table. (laughs) Business unusual is the problem. That is the problem. Yeah. Well, I mean, prior to the pandemic, we knew enrollment was going down in schools. And, you know, there's all kinds of um, philanthropy efforts and and good work being done to try to save Catholic education. And, And it's worth saving. I mean, wonderful things happen in Catholic education. But some of the paradigms have shifted historically, yeah. you know, not having religious running the schools and, right. and just having to pay people yeah. cost and the of cost salaries. of yeah. education yeah. going up. And, you know, these are all kind of contributing to this new reality economically for Catholic schools. Yeah. So sort of um, having that that old model that in which Catholic schools cr- were created and flourished and how that sort of has to adapt and change to be successful in this more modern era, th- there's just that tension between Indeed. the way things were done and and maybe some change, which I think is pretty universal for almost no, anything. No, that's totally unique only to Catholic <laughs> schools. No one ever says we've always done it that way. Right, yeah. So I don't think it's a, like a special unique problem to Catholic schools. Yeah, but. but what's unique is that it's an institution mm-hmm. within an institution. I mean, right, Catholic yeah. schools is huge. Yes. And some are flourishing and their identity is amazing and uh, ethnic diversity and and availability. Those things are real. And I want to be very clear. We recognize there are great models of fully functioning Catholic schools out Absolutely. there. Absolutely. But there are a lot that are not. Mm-hmm. And some of the proposals that get thrown around is to take up a massive collection to bail them all out, but not change the model or the strategy. What is the Presido Project? Like, tell me about kind of what you work for and how that connects to this topic. Sure. Well, the Presido Project, we're a nonprofit. We serve Catholic schools and we try to support them in innovation and sustainability. Okay. Uh, so a lot of the work we're doing right now is helping them navigate all of this federal funding. That's a result of the pandemic. <laughs> Suddenly, these schools have more money than they know what to do with. Wow. And they need to make good decisions and, and sort of follow all of these uh, loopholes and things you have to hoops you have to jump through yeah. for the state to get a hold of it and yeah. there's a lot of red tape and uh, helping them think about their budgeting and how they're going to allocate some of that because uh, the creative thinking part of it I think is where that that old mindset can be a challenge Indeed. you know what are what are the new things we want to do and, yeah. and 
making these decisions kind of in very tight timelines in panic mode. Yeah. So helping them kind of talk through and think through what what are really your goals? What what needs to change in your strategic plan? How are we going to help you sort of meet that? And and I think that that's a challenge right now for everybody is all of these strategic plans were completely um, turned on their head with, yeah. with the pandemic. Yeah, which is brutal because they spent a ton of time making them and a mm-hmm. ton of time trying to implement them and a ton of time trying to get buy-in on you them. probably paid a consultant a ton of money probably, to do they it. They probably <laughs> did, and now it flips upside down. And, and we also support um, schools with a lot of professional development sure. as well. Sure, incredible. You kind of found your home. It's kind of gorgeous. Yeah. I love that. It's exciting. It's yeah. humbling, really. I'll bet it is. I, I, well, I had a conversation with Dr. Richard Ludwig, uh, the president of St. Thomas in uh, Houston, mm-hmm. and we were kind of talking at like a collegiate undergraduate level. And I, I'm dying to have this conversation with you, so I'm sort of excited about it. You throw around a term like Catholic identity. Mm-hmm. Now, at a college level, there's immediately like a bunch of sort of stereotypes and red flags that come with that. Mm-hmm. You throw it around in Catholic schools at a secondary level, I think it's a different conversation. Well, how is your Catholic identity? What does that even mean? Can we break it down? Well, it means something different to everybody, and but I that's think that's the challenge. Brutal. That's brutal. <laughs> I think what we want it to mean is that your school has a particular mission and charism, and it's sort of palpable and present in all in all ways in your school. Yeah. So it's not just you know mission statement that you throw on the annual report, right. Or just you know some crucifixes on the walls, but sort of those things are really intentionally infused into everything that you're doing. So yeah. if that's I think that's what we want Catholic identity to be. But everybody has their own little flavor of what they think it is and who is or isn't authentically Catholic. I don't know who's on the authentication committee. I'm not. See, but that <laughs> line is disturbing, right? Yes. Because if Catholic identity for me is, well, we are th- ritually, we do this thing in a disciplined way, mm-hmm. but there's just no sense of the uh, the uh, evangelization efforts of what Catholicism calls you to in terms of justice and service. That's a mistake, right? That's a bad identity. That's not a good identity. But if it's the flip side as well, we have the kids do service projects in mm-hmm. the name of Saint such and such, but like there's no sense of Eucharist or ritual or right. We have a problem there. Who is on that committee? Because that is just bizarre <laughs> to me. It doesn't work. Well, I think, you know, it. if we have an authenticity, and I'm not going to say authentically Catholic, but just like a human authenticity, that we want to do good things in the world, that attracts people to the community. And it almost doesn't matter what your faith is mm-hmm. or isn't. Mm-hmm. It's a community that you want to be a part of. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's a virtue and value. There's There's natural law. There's things that are inherent to a Catholic identity um, from a theological point of view. How that applies to school, though, has gotten pretty vague. Mm-hmm. And I think it's actually led to a lot of the dissension and difficulty of some of the work that you're navigating now. It's kind of like, well, this population of people have a lot of money, and they're sending their kids to our school. They don't practice the faith. They're not interested in the faith, but their money is sustaining the school. Mm-hmm. It's easy to, quote, unquote, dilute my Catholic identity for the sake of the paycheck. Do you see that in the field? Are you navigating that difficulty out there? Is it out there? Is it real? Yeah, I I definitely think that that's real for some. I think that the, you know, the opportunity in that is, you know, to sort of meet people where they are. Um, If people are investing in the school in one way or another, either just writing a check for tuition Mm -hmm. or you're asking them, you know, for money to replace the boiler or whatever it is, um, 
to not make that just a transactional relationship. Yeah, right. You know, oh, really, that's really well said. Yeah, it's you not want, just you services rendered, them. right? Yeah, so yeah. It's, a, it's an investment, not a donation. Right. We're asking you to be a part of a community, not just check your kid into the thing and get them out of the thing. Right. And, well, that's and how are huge. parents welcome on, on yeah. campus? And parents are their own cup of tea, right? right. They have their own yeah. sets of challenges. Yeah. But they care about their kids enough to have them there. So that yeah. means there's inherently some goodness and, and some buy-in for yeah. them. It just amazes me that the saints that are sort of the patrons of Catholic education in the United States, many of their efforts were for the African-American community and Native American community. That's the origins of mm-hmm. the institution of Catholic schools. And I wouldn't say that that's prevalent today. Those still those institutions do still exist. A lot of them do, but a lot of them don't. Yeah. You would walk in and be like, I, I see no ethnic diversity here. I don't see where is the preferential option for the poor? Is that talked about in the critique of wanting to better Catholic schools, or is it just kind of a bygone era? Yeah, I think Catholic schools do really want to do better in in the space of equity and inclusion and diversity. I think they they're at a loss of how mm. because of the economic discrepancies and like really the dwindling middle class. Uh, you know, very low income kids can probably get a scholarship to go to a Catholic school. Someone's always going to give money to a poor kid to go to Catholic Mm. school. And the rich kids have plenty of money to go to Catholic school. It's those people in the middle Mm. that are just enough to not, you know, be considered poor, but don't have, you know, a few dozen thousand dollars to extra. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it's very it's a big sacrifice for middle class people to to have Catholic education to be to access Catholic education. It is. And and that's a big challenge because big that's time. that's that's contributing to the diversity issue as well, I think. Yeah. Uh kindergarten through fifth grade, All Saints Elementary, Puyallup, Washington, right here. <laughs> uh moved to Spokane. Uh it was cost prohibitive. The public school system I moved into had a really good reputation. I think parents now are kind of like, What am I getting for my dollar? Yes. Now, there's definitely a group of parents that are saying it's private. It must be good. So mm-hmm. then they write a check. But I think a lot of that middle class that you speak of, I was raised a middle class kid. I am a middle class person is kind of what am I getting for my dollar? What is my dollar getting my kid? Do you see that in the field? Do you navigate that that question? Yes, but it's a fair question. It is, right? I mean, I, I have two teenagers and uh, really sacrificially giving to Catholics, not giving, getting a wonderful education for them for Catholic schools. But I live in Northern Virginia, arguably one of the best school districts in the in the country. Yeah. And, you know, there there are moments where, you know, you you have those thoughts of, wait a minute, you know, am I, am I really getting everything I should be getting or, yeah. or you're weighing the pros and the cons? And I think it's a really tough choice for a lot of people. Um but I feel that it's worth it. I, I'm very dedicated to the Catholic faith. My yeah. whole career is the Catholic faith. Yeah. And, you know, I worked for the NCEA for five years. Right. And, um, National Catholic Education Association. Sorry. I yeah. forget everyone doesn't know what I it know. Is. It's inside. <laughs> you and I could just have a glass of wine acronyms. and just like do all kinds. Oh, yeah. Don't go it's down that road. It took me a year road. to learn all the church acronyms. Oh, I know. Don't even go down that road. Yeah. Five years there. Yes. I was there yeah. for five years. Yeah. And I had five different titles and I was there. So I did a little bit of wow. everything. Wow. <laughs> different title every year. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. So something you said in your talk, I don't want to rehash your talk. Go Mm -hmm. see Andrea's talk. It's wonderful. But uh, something you said, and every time you did it in rehearsal when we were working on your talk, I was like, man, that's bold. And it was, we need to rethink education. Mm -hmm. You you weren't saying, hey, Catholics, you got to rethink Catholic education. You were like, we got to rethink education. You were saying, hey, Catholic Church, why not be the lead in rethinking? 
Who says you have to go to school five days a week? Who said you start dropping these like mic drop bombs? Yeah. And as a parent, I was like, can you can you can she say that? Are we allowed to think that way? <laughs> I mean, you were like, you I can were, say that because I don't work for NCA anymore. Well, but you were demanding. <laughs> I can you do whatever were, I want. That's <laughs> well, true. You you were asking for like some real disruptive, which was part mm-hmm. of the talk, but like free thinking moments. Say more about those things. What are the parameters? What is the ceiling? For this world that you're referring to of new thoughts or new practices in Catholic education. Well, I think public education is broken, too. So I think a lot of people would agree. I mean, there's a lot of things that just aren't working well. Right. right? So I think rather than try to be a version of public education, Mm -hmm. we should be something totally different. Rather than try to be a version of public education. We should be something totally different. I'm going to put that on a T-shirt because that feels (laughs) like your mantra. Mm-hmm. That's good. How do we do it? Well, we we have to be able to take risks and, and try things. And, yeah. and when we talk about, you know, philanthropy and donors, rather than approaching them, um, so, hey, help us get through this year, it's, you know, engaging in the right types of partnerships. I mean, what if instead of asking for a donation, you had an investment where they had like a financial stake in it? That's totally, nobody does yeah. that. Yeah, say more about that. Get into the grit there a little bit. What if, you know, these empty convents, you know, were turned into uh, a Starbucks or a preschool or something? Someone's investing in, in yeah. that property, helping yeah. you fix it up, helping you renovate yeah. it. And then and becoming a sustainable, they're getting 25% viable space. of the profits. Yeah, because they invested in it. Yeah. Or, or their kid isn't going to school for free because yeah. they're they're putting up that sweat equity. I mean, I think that that makes things a little more uh, palatable mm-hmm. to an investor because it doesn't feel like you're holding out the tin cup. Yeah. You yeah. know, like something new and exciting is, is going on and, and tapping new people. You know, when we started the Presido Project, um, you know, someone said to me like, oh, we need to think about, you know, the most innovative things that are happening in, happening in education. And I said, no, we don't. We need to look outside of education. Wow. Who is doing good right now? And yeah. that's what we need to look at. Yeah. Because the answers are not inside of education. I think yeah. that some of them are. Yeah. But, it, but it, it's so multifaceted. I mean, the whole uh, university system, I think, also needs to be disrupted. Well, because, and many are. I because mean, like we're it, yeah. preparing them for university. In yeah. fact, the last year, I've been, both of my kids have been home with me. I've been working remote, and they're sure. in remote school. And, uh, my son said to me, and the teachers, they're doing such a good job. They're, they're doing, doing their best. such a good job. Most of them are doing their best. And let me tell yeah. you, I did the professional development for, for Diocese of Arlington in mm-hmm. the summer, like mm-hmm. in for remote learning, where my kids go to school. Yep. So I, you know, talked about remote learning and ed tech and all these things. And my kid was the biggest pain in the butt to those <laughs> teachers. Like, you've ruined my credibility here, kid. <laughs> but they're working so hard. They're being so creative. They're yeah. being so yielding. And, you know, he said to me, I don't know why they're doing all this stuff. I, I wish they'd just tell us what we need to know and when, and, and I'll just do it on the test. And I yeah. said, you're describing college. In many ways, yeah. <laughs> which is a statement of maturity on the part of your child, which is awesome. Because so many children just need to have their hand held through mm-hmm. that process. But, yeah. but he And he said to me, like, I like this. I can, I wish we could still do two days a week. And I said, you know what? I like that, too. Mm. It's it's a I don't have to drive them anywhere yeah. first thing in the morning. I'm not yeah. packing lunches five days a week. And it's a much more similar experience to college. We yeah, go once ways, or twice yeah. a week. In many ways, yeah. Block scheduling, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Yep. 
Yeah. So there's a lot of room here mm-hmm. for innovation and creativity. I think your thesis is we're really not even moving that direction. We're sort of in like buckets of water out of the boat situation. We're just trying to just save the boat, save the boat. You're saying let's rebuild the boat. Right. I mean, yes, it feels, but I, think, I don't think it's universally that true that we're just bailing things out. I think good work is being done. Yeah, of course. You, you know, know, but uh, yeah, I think that it's every time someone has a success doing something different, it emboldens somebody else to try something different. Yes. And I think it's really important that we support each other and share that success yeah. um, and get rid of the competitiveness. I mean, gosh, just in a par- one parish, in a little parish school, how much competitiveness there is between the parish, the school, the religious ed people, yeah. the classroom teachers yeah. who broke the crayons on Sunday yeah. and moved the they desks. Did, yeah, and put the furniture back. They won't yeah. give us the Wi-Fi pass. I mean, there's so much silliness just in one yeah. parish. But think, yeah. think about... Um, you know, regionalization instead of three, four, five little parish schools competing for the little pool of Catholic kids. You know, yeah. what if one of them, you know, was the STEM school and one of them right. was a dual language school right. and one of them, you know, was a fine arts school because then you have a whole different marketing concept. It's a culture of concept, abundance, right? You know? it's, yeah. Now you're talking about magnet schools and that gets people's attentions from the public schools as yeah. well. Yeah, it does. Yeah, you. Uh, this is, you know, it's ad nauseum business conversation, but you just remove the notion of scarcity and you say, this is an abundance. There's, this is a place for many, if not all. Yeah. Silos are nothing new to ministry, right? right. Silos are everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I, uh, working in youth ministry, you working in Catholic schools, that's two very popular silos. Yes. Where very rarely the two shall meet. Mm-hmm. Very rarely. And when they do, it's sort of people screaming like, why are we not working together? We're serving the same kids. Yes. It just knocks me out that that's still very prevalent among the mindset of leadership. That's incredible. You're saying, why not specialize a little bit? Why not look at all this real estate and say, gosh, couldn't you do this thing really well? You'll do this thing really well. We'll do this thing really well. I come out of multi-parish youth ministry Mm -hmm. where you look at each of the parishes in a cluster and you say, look at the value that all of you bring and what we become as the sum of our parts. We don't think that way in Catholic schools. We think it's St. Thomas. we got to protect our donors. Mm-hmm. St. Thomas has to survive. St. Thomas is my universe. And if you threaten that, I, I'm going to fight with you. That's a drag. That's a total drag. Well, and it takes some um, trust and courage to sort of be the first one to have that relationship. Because you have to trust someone else, too, to do that. It's, it's a two-way street. So Indeed. it's about finding the right partnerships. And then once you have a proof of concept. Right. Then you can say, okay, this worked. Let's expand. Let's yeah. expand. It's concentric circles. Now you're speaking my language. That's the film language. You got to mm-hmm. prove it. Prove that you can do the thing you said you wanted to do, mm-hmm. and then we can expand it. That's true, and that takes courage. It also takes a little bit of revenue. Yeah. So there has to be that and kind a, of and seed accountability. Money. Yeah, and accountability. Yeah, accountability. Evaluate it. Yeah, okay, of course it is. Mm-hmm. You're putting yourself out there, right? Who have you leaned on? Who Who are your mentors? Who are the people that have um, formed you and helped you to be who you are in this field? Uh, helped you aspire for the wisdom that you have that you want to share? Who are those people? Uh, From a spiritual aspect, as a teacher, I taught with um, a wonderful man. He was not officially a spiritual director, but he sort of came a de facto one. And we had this really unlikely friendship because he hated technology. He could not say... Any piece of technology without the prefix evil, the evil computer, the evil <laughs> iPad, the evil... He didn't even know how to operate the air conditioner. Oh, geez. Like, a Luddite. Right. And uh, he had been at the school 30-some-odd years when I came on staff, uh, but just a, a wonderful example of, of what it is to be Christ-like. Yeah. I mean, the amount of people... It was, it was a K-8 school. He taught middle school. Mm-hmm. The amount of people in the community who would still come to the school just to see him. Oh, wow. 
the amount of families like a charism there almost yeah, yeah. The, the amount of families who converted oh my goodness that weren't um, staff members just converted. by authentic witnessing yeah he oh, and my not goodness. not a preacher yeah. i mean but i mean just a, a beautiful witness and he taught me so much about um personal prayer mm-hmm. and spirituality and devotions and you know I, I used to tell the kids praying praying with mr boss is like playing basketball with michael jordan mm-hmm. i mean it, it was a, it, he so spiritually i think he has someone he is someone who has just brought me so far along in the process and who, someone you. who i want to be proud of me so good for you that always raises deal. the bar doesn't it mm-hmm. those people in your life where you go i i want I want them to be proud of me. I want mm-hmm. them to know that I'm doing the best I can because they showed me what that was. That's a huge deal. That's big. And, and uh, you know, I came, had a very unlikely sort of ascent from being a classroom teacher to working at the, a national Yeah, what did you want to be when you grew up? What was your thing? What did you want to be when I you grew up? I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> oh, from the get-go. This was like, no, I just want to be a mom. I still do. Yeah. So <laughs> My you kids kinda, are almost moving you out. You got drawn into this world. You know, every time I needed a job, it wound up being in the church. It was never intentional. And it was always by wow, invitation. Wow, that seems unique to me. It was always by invitation. Wow. So even when I, I the job, at, I, I got my job at NCA in a very goofy way. Uh-huh. Uh, I was at a at an Orlando convention. It was the NCA convention. It uh-huh. was in Florida, and I lived in Florida. I never heard of the NCA. I had been in Catholic education for 15 years. Never yeah. heard of them. And, uh, you know, the principal at the time, she said, oh, there's this thing, and, and we're going. And I was one of the lead teachers, so it was me and, and a small group of people. We went to the Orlando convention. Mm-hmm. 2015, everyone was getting excited for Pope Francis to come yep. to the U.S. So Catholic Exchange had this little... Um, Social media thing, Flat Francis. It was a little paper cutout I saw, doll. I remember that. Yeah, Flat I, Francis. I saw it. Yep. So Flat Francis is how I got involved with NCEA. What a riot. I, I showed up with my, you know, we were from Panama City. Mm-hmm. We, we drove to Orlando. We brought Flat Francis. We took pictures. And we got into the big convention center. And, you know, it was so overwhelming. I'd never been to an event like that before. And we're taking photos with all the little nuns and Flat Francis yeah. and being goofy. And then I say, you know what? I think it would be cool to get a picture with Flat Francis on the stage. But, like, the stage is so big you can't see it. Yeah. Like, I'm going to see if they'll put it on the Jumbotron. That would be, like, a really good idea. So I'm a dummy. <laughs> I march up to the front row yeah. and minutes before the opening keynote. To this day, I don't know how I wasn't escorted out by security. And the whole row said reserved for NCEA staff. So I just say, hi, I'm Andrew from Panama City. I have Flat Francis. Will you put it on the thing? Nobody wanted to deal with me. Yeah. Nobody wanted to. Yeah. You know. And now that I know how literally every minute of that convention is planned i can't even believe that i convinced <laughs> someone to do this so i t- i do like four or five people i'm andrea from panama city yeah. and Flat francis yeah. and blah 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 you have to talk to so-and-so you have to talk to so-and-so and then the last time they're go, you're gonna have to talk to so-and-so and so i looked at him and i and i put my hand up and i said wait a minute before i start speaking are you important enough to make a decision wow and he said young lady <laughs> oh that's a good line though and I said, this is what I want. And that's a good line. It was the president of NCA. I yeah, had no good. idea who he was. Yeah, he's still a human. Ask <laughs> he him put a his question. hands up and went, all right, all right, I'll do it. I think he just wanted me to go away. So I berated these poor people <laughs> into doing this. <laughs> and then. <laughs> it seems like your ministerial style. I like this. <laughs> I think I'm like Vito the enforcer. Um, we go and sit down and, you know, the, there's a beautiful keynote that I heard nothing of because I'm just waiting to see if they're going to do it, you know. And so the keynote goes on for an hour and uh, the president goes up and he says, thank you. And he says, there's now a dig 
dignitary that I would like to introduce, and he holds up Flat Francis. Oh, brilliant. And we're hooting and hollering, not realizing uh, NC is not really a hooting and hollering place. We're from Panama City, so right? hoot and holler. Yeah. <laughs> and it was so funny. And yeah. so that was it. It was a gag. It was yeah. a gag and for my amusement. And it introduced you into. And I had no intention of ever seeing those people again. Yeah. And I went up and I thanked them and um, got Flat Francis back and. You know, the vice president of NCA at the time, he said to me, like, you're so fun. You remind me what it's like to work in a school. Oh, that's a good thing. And you don't he, want to lose touch with that. Right. Wow. Well, I mean, at the time, NCA had just gone through a restructuring and, and I talked with him and, and, you know, he said, if there's ever anything I can do for you, let me know. And I said, well, I'm in my master's program and I need I need a mentor to take my next course because yeah. I had one. Yeah. My principal wasn't. Uh, qualified because she was out of state my superintendent had just mysteriously disappeared oh, with goodness. no explanation yeah. so i he said send me your resume and then we emailed back and forth and he said look i don't know if i can meet with you while you're still here but it's going to have to be real early in the morning so yeah. i had coffee with him that morning and by the end of that conversation he said this is going to sound nuts but i'm restructuring this organization and i want it to be a place that launches careers instead of a place that ends careers oh my goodness what a statement he said, would you ever consider relocating? Yeah. And at that time, um, my husband and I were looking at relocating. Yeah. He, he was a DOD civilian. We were looking all over the world, really. We yeah. were like ready for something. Yeah. We got month to month. We're just yeah. like, whatever the Lord provides, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And then imagine this. I call him up. Hey, honey, I met this guy. And he wants us to move to Washington, D.C. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but know? it was because of your wit. It was because of your drive. And a reverence. <laughs> well, yeah, but I don't know about that because a little you know, bit. it was you, amusing. But you you speak to this notion, the idea of disruption. You speak to the idea of a little bit of fearlessness, and let's go ask some hard questions. And I don't care what the national organization mm -hmm. is. The church needs that voice. That's that. It feels like your your drive as a minister is what got you. It was what swung that door open. What's uh, tell me tell me what uh, where we can find out more about the Presido Project. Where can we learn about you? Uh, the Presidoproject.org or you could Google me. We just had a big um, event this summer yeah. um, or this spring. I remember you prepping me. for this. That's right. Yes, yeah, the yeah. Forefront Conference, which was Forefront really exciting. Forefront Conference. And we're going to yeah. do it again next year. Oh, so I love it. keep an eye out. Don't stop being who you are. Ask the hard question. Get up in people's faces and say, can you make a decision? Because I'm looking for a decision maker. I'm so thankful for your energy. I'm really thankful for your OSV talk, your message. Catholic Schools is a monster that 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 should never be ignored and should be talked to. And, and, and we should be looking to the future as a place of hope and joy and the goodness of Catholic identity. I think you're pushing us in that direction. And I think you're helping people to do that. Well, Andrea, I'm really thankful you came on the show. Thanks, Thanks for, for sharing time with me. me. God bless you. You too. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. You can enjoy all OSV talks at osvtalks.com. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please rate and review our show wherever you like to listen. Friends, innovative thinking is at the core of OSV. And OSV Talks is part of a much larger effort to be a catalyst for Catholic innovation. OSV Institute for Catholic Innovation brings you these talks from prominent Catholic leaders to spark discussion, explore new or re-explore old approaches, and inspire creative thinking, all from the heart of the church. Until next time, God bless. <laughs>